Praise the Lord, everybody. It's uh, good to be with you this morning, 27th day of December, year of our Lord, 2020. What a year this has been. We've seen all kinds of things uh, happen in this year. But we're believing by God's grace and his mercy for us that 2021, which is right around the corner, will be something much different than what we've experienced this year. While I've held throughout this year that I believe that this year has been the greatest year of opportunity for the church, look at uh, those in the financial realm, they look at tragedy um, in the sense of economic tragedy um, as an opportunity because they, they can now invest in things a lot differently or at less of an expense so that when things recover with the idea that the pendulum always swings in multiple directions that this too will pass they will have taken advantage of the opportunity because of the economic climate i'm so thankful to god that uh, the church has had the opportunity uh, in a time of hopelessness to uh, take advantage and invest in the world, invest uh, not in worldly things, but invest in the people of the world by sharing the love of God, the gospel of peace, and the hope that is only found in Jesus. And I'm excited um, with uh, you know great expectation as to what next year is going to bring. I look forward to bringing you a word on uh, New Year's Eve to see us into the new year. I encourage you, if you don't have anywhere to go or anything to do, and you're looking to hear something from God to set us up for the new year, tune in, and we will definitely share with you what God has laid on our heart. I wanted to close this year out talking about truth. Um, it's important uh, that we understand truth. There's been a lot of things said about truth, and there's something that God has impressed upon my spirit in my time of study with Him concerning uh, truth. And I, I want to uh, read a definition to you because I think this definition is right on point for some of the things that we're seeing in our culture right now. Delusion being delusional, maintaining a fixed false belief, even when confronted with facts, usually as a result of a mental illness, having false or unrealistic beliefs or opinions. And I, wanna, I want you to kind of put a pin in that. I'm going to read it for you just one more time. Delusional, maintaining fixed false beliefs, even when confronted with facts, usually as a result of mental illness, having false or unrealistic beliefs or opinions. And I want you to really focus on that. I want you to hold that uh, thought in your mind because it's going to play in uh, what we're going to be talking about today. And, and I don't plan to hold you long. I just want to uh, drop this word into your spirit. Um, and then at the end of it, it's gonna, it, 
it's going to be a little rough to hear in the very beginning, but if you hold with me till the end, you'll you'll begin to understand what God is saying. So if it gets a little rough for you in the beginning, just hold on. Don't uh, don't tune away because you're going to miss uh, the importance that's all uh, revealed in the end of this sermon today. Uh, let's turn in the Bible to the book of Second Thessalonians, the second chapter, the tenth through the twelfth verse. Second Thessalonians two ten through twelve. I'm going to be reading the King James version. The word reads, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. I'm sure that many of you have wondered why it seems that no matter what you say, even when backed up with empirical evidence, people still hold to an opinion or a belief or take a stand that is proven false or untrue by all evidence, evidence that cannot be denied or discounted. I've seen this take place, not just in the world, but I've seen it take place in the church. And if you've been paying attention to the news over the last couple of months, you're seeing this take place with our current president, who is taking a stand that he's still going to be the president, even though all the evidence says that he lost the election. doesn't matter whether you support him or you don't support him, you believe in him or you don't believe in him. He, unfortunately, today is a perfect example of a delusional state of mind. Because regardless of what he thinks is true, on January 21st, there's going to be a new president sworn in to lead this country. I've often struggled with why people would not shift their belief when they're confronted with overwhelming evidence, even to the contrary of their own original position on any given matter. It, it boggles my mind to think that people, regardless of what you may say or the things that you may show them as concrete, uh, incontrovertible evidence that should cause you to change your opinion, some people still hold to what even is proven not to be true. I was studying the Word of God and I, and I came across this passage that I've read to you, but this time when I read it, it took on a different light for me. It was as if God was trying to point something out to me concerning humanity and the carnal nature of man. What this nature, if not rejected, will cause God himself to have to do to those who reject his truth. You know, God is governed by his own laws. There are things that God can do and there are things that God cannot do. We understand that God cannot lie. For everything that God says is true, for he is the embodiment of truth. He is from everlasting to everlasting, and only his word is true. I found that in this life that there are many truths out there. There is a saying that what is true for me does not necessarily make it right or truth for anyone else. My truth may differ from your truth, and 
We're all entitled by our own power of choice to believe our own very interpretation uh, of truth, which makes all truth then perspective-based upon uh, the finite reality of man's wisdom rather than the infinite wisdom of God, whose wisdom and knowledge transcends time, space, and creation altogether. We then become the determinators of what truth is, and we remove God's authority over determining what truth is, which causes the truth of God to become a lie and elevates man to truth above our Creator. In essence, we determine what is true regardless of what God determined is true. That removes God from his position of authority and his uh, ability to have the final say, and it puts man in the place of having that authority and that ability. What I determine to be true is what is true, and that's what's true for me, and that's all that will matter regardless of whether it's really true or not. When I read this passage and began to break it down word for word, as I often teach when you study the Word of God, to keep things in context, you should not only break down uh, the, the phrase or the uh, text that you've read, but you should read it in the context in which it was written, as well as looking at the etymology of every single word that's spoken, for nothing in the Bible was placed for happenstance. There are no fillers in the Bible. Every word has purpose and has meaning. And when I read this passage and began to break it down word for word, I was startled by what God showed me. God showed me it was he who is so involved in truth that he will cause humanity to accept a lie as truth when humanity, by choice, rejects what is truth, which is what he, God, has established. God makes you believe a lie is true because of your unrepentant position and attitude. And I was reading this like, wow, really, God? Like, we're going there? But here's the catch. When you have rejected the truth and God has caused you to believe a lie as truth, you are in the process of becoming, now hold on to your seats, Antichrist. God took me to his word to point this out in much greater detail, and it's incumbent upon me to share with you what God has shared with me, because this idea of holding on to lies as truth is not something isolated to the world, but has even infiltrated the church. 1 John 2 and 18, little children, it is the last time, and as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. First John 2 and 22. Who is a liar, but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. He is antichrist, that denieth the Father and the Son. First John 4 and 3. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. The spirit of Antichrist is here in the world right now. Now, most everyone in the body of Christ has heard of the Antichrist. 
We've been taught that he is the false messiah that will come during the time of the tribulation period and make peace on the earth. He will be assassinated and will rise from the dead. He will set himself up to be worshipped in the temple. He is the manifestation of the anti-Jesus, a son of sedition who is sent to mimic the life of Christ, but in every opposite way possible. But as I was studying, God began to tell me that the Antichrist is more prevalent right now and functioning in more people than we actually think. We are looking for one Antichrist, but if you are here to see the Antichrist at his revelation, then you have already missed the going home of the church. But there is a spirit of Antichrist which is in full operation in the world and has even infiltrated the church. Antichrist. This word uh, of God teaches us that the followers of the Antichrist are those who are perishing. The word perishing is translated from a Greek word which represents a continuous action, those that perish. That is, uh, the people who are in the process of perishing. There are many in the church who think they follow Christ, but in actuality are followers of what is anti to Christ and anti to his message of truth. They have accepted things that are simply not true according to God's word, but they have determined them to be true, not by the infallible wisdom of God, but by the very finite and fallible wisdom of man. Every follower of the Antichrist who lives on the earth is perishing. They are on the road to being lost, in, in essence. They They've turned away from God and are traveling in the opposite direction along the road that leads to perdition, the road that leads to hell. Wide is the road that leads away from God's glory, and narrow is the road that leads to heaven. The word perishing means to be lost. It, it, it's uh, in the process of being destroyed or ruined or corrupted or even put to death. And when a person is on the road to perdition, he has turned away from God and is pointed in the opposite direction. In fact, he is traveling away from God rather than running to God. He has deliberately separated himself by choice from God and severed all ties with God, even though the majority of them would tell you that they are followers of Christ. Some believe that because they follow some things, it makes them the followers of Christ. But only those who follow all things, accept all things of Christ to be true, are the real followers of Jesus. You see, their truth has been altered. They've accepted a lie as truth. And they can't reconcile their truth is a lie, and what they believe is a lie is in fact the truth. It is because of this mental instability that they cannot see God nor the things of God. Their face and their eyes are not turned toward the gospel, but in fact, they are turned toward the world and everything in the world which is temporal and perishes. 
we in the body of Christ have spent a whole lot of time teaching you or telling you that you can get rich without telling you exactly how to get rich while making ourselves rich in the process. When in fact, the wealth of this world is not what God sent his son to die for. Jesus did not die on the cross so that you can drive a Bentley. That's not the purpose of his coming. As a matter of fact, Jesus said that the poor will be with you always. So that tells me that everyone in the body of Christ is not destined to be wealthy in the sense that we uh, see in the earth with money, houses, land, and possessions, weighted down with things that at the end of the day do nothing for them. But the only thing that matters is your relationship with God. The problem is the gospel is hid to them because they are perishing, because they're traveling a road that is leading in a direction opposite the direction of God. You see, he's simply facing in the wrong direction. He's looking away from the gospel. He's using the gospel to satisfy self. Rather than seeing the gospel for what it is, the key to unlocking God's grace in the earth. If my focus is away from the signs which lead me to a right relationship with Christ, then how can I know or believe that I am going in the wrong direction? Because the spiritual GPS that I have been trusting in is giving me directions, and I know I have followed each one step by step with an attention to detail, so I must be on the right road. I've learned to possess all the wealth of the world. I must be on the right road. Somehow, I've accepted that because I am wealthy, that somehow I am in right relationship with God, and that those that are in lack are somehow not in right relationship with God. This could not be farther from the truth. 1 Corinthians 1 and 18 declares, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. It is the preaching of the cross that the people of God should be teaching and preaching across this globe, not preaching a prophet-oriented uh, gospel. This is not what Jesus came for. Second Peter 2 and 12, but these, as natural brute beasts, made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption. Deuteronomy 8 and 19 says it like this, And it shall be, if thou do at all forget the Lord thy God, and walk after other gods, and serve them, and worship them, I testify against you this day that ye shall surely perish. Every once in a while, you ought to do a God check in your life. Who is God? Who have you made your God? 
You can determine what your God is based upon what your focus is, what you are always seeking to satisfy in yourself. So then the followers of the Antichrist are those who do not receive the truth. Now the word receive means to literally welcome. So the thing to see is that they do not welcome the truth, nor do they have the love of truth. But truth is meant uh, is meant that the truth of it is referring to the truth of the gospel. They do not welcome the love of the gospel, and the gospel is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So they do not love the gospel, or in essence, they do not love Jesus, who is truth. Jesus Himself declared, "I am the way." the truth, and the life. And this is a powerful and terrible indictment against the followers of the Antichrist because they reject the love of God. You see, God has provided a way for every one of us to be saved, a way for us to escape death, a way for us to live eternally with him, a way to live a victorious life over the trials and the sufferings in our current state of being. But despite all of this, they do not love the truth of the gospel. And the result is terrible. Those who reject the love of God, who reject the truth of the gospel, are not saved. You see, the followers of the Antichrist will be those who have not welcomed the love of the truth, those who have rejected the love of the gospel. Let me give you evidence. John 3 and 19, and this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Let me give you more evidence. John 8 and 24, I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. The idea of grace is that all men have been forgiven of their trespass against God. And this is true. This is absolutely true. Each and every one of us has been forgiven. You see, that's truth. But if you don't accept the truth, you have rejected your own forgiveness. And without faith in Jesus, who is truth, you cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Let me give you some more evidence. Hebrews 3 and 12. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Jude 1 and 5. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. You cannot reject the truth and expect to live in harmony with God. You see, the followers of the Antichrist or the spirit of Antichrist that's in the earth are deceived. There are always two factors involved in deception. Two factors. The deceit of the deceiver and the willingness of the person to reject truth and believe a lie. You have the deceiver 
and the person who is being deceived because of their willingness to reject what is true and believe a lie. I want you to apply these two factors to 2 Thessalonians 2 and 10, which I read to you when I started today. And you will see that both factors are clearly seen. If you look at what this passage of Scripture is saying, for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Now, you have to be thinking to yourself, just as I was when I first began to read this, does this mean that God misleads unbelievers? That God deceives people? No. As a matter of fact, the scripture shouts a thousand times no. You are not deceived apart from your own will. Or you are not deceived against your will. You are deceived only because you choose to disbelieve God and his word. What scripture is teaching is that God has set certain laws in place in this universe. Laws both within man and within creation or within nature. Laws which go into motion and take effect based upon the actions that are in existence. If a person does something, certain things are going to happen. Cause and effect. If a person does something else, then something else will happen. The effect changes based upon the cause. Whatever the stimuli is determines what the reaction is. Scripture teaches that unbelief is governed by these laws. For example, there is the law of sowing and reaping. And if a person sows unbelief and deception, it is that unbelief and deception that the person is going to reap. Galatians 6, 7, and 8, foundational text, according to this teaching or this law that is in place in society. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. What are you sowing to? What you sow to determines the truth that is in existence for you. There is the law of measure. If a person measures unbelief and deception, unbelief and deception shall be measured back to that person. Matthew 7 and 2. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you. Luke 6 and 38, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. So the point that I'm trying to make is this. It is because people reject the truth of the gospel that they shall suffer strong delusion and believe the lie of the Antichrist. And if we examine the words strong delusion, the words mean a working of error. Strong delusion is simply a working of error, an erroneous belief that is at work in you. In the end time, people will work error after error or sin 
after sin or evil after evil. They will become stronger and stronger in their sin, harder and harder in their belief. They will become steeped in their rejection of the gospel more and more. Leon Morris said it like this, it is the law of life that those who take this step disbelieve the gospel, go further and further astray into error. Men who reject the truth are bound to end by accepting evil as truth. Thereby, God uses Satan as the means of punishing them. In the simplest of words, A.T. Robertson says, God gives the wicked over to the evil which they have deliberately chosen. God gives you based upon your choice. Matthew 15 and 14, let them alone, they be blind, leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. Ephesians 4 and 18, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Jeremiah 9 and 5, and they will deceive everyone his neighbor and will not speak the truth. They have taught their tongue to speak lies and weary themselves to commit iniquity. It's important that we see and understand what God is saying. We're in the process of coming to the end of one year, the end of one season. We're at the precipice of a new season. We're entering a new year. The last thing that I need to share with you is the followers of the Antichrist are damned. I don't want you to be fooled. I would be ignorant and I would be wrong if I did not teach you that which is true. I cannot only tell you the things that are good, that make you feel good, and not tell you or warn you of the things that the Bible clearly states. Those who take pleasure in unrighteousness are damned. Now, the word damned means judged, condemned, punished. You see, the Bible declares that there is no condemnation. Now, let me stop there. Some people have accepted this as there is no condemnation, condemnation or judgment against anyone for anything at any time. This is part of the problem that we have in the body of Christ. We stop reading where it feels good and we cut out what feels bad. But the Bible declares there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ. That tells me that if you are not in Christ, then there is condemnation or there is judgment against you. Because the word simply means judgment. Now, there are two reasons why the followers of the Antichrist are going to be judged. First, they will not believe the truth of the gospel, the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. God loves his son, Jesus. He loves him with a perfect love. And it's because of this that man cannot expect God to overlook Jesus when we reject Jesus. You see, Jesus is the sovereign son of God who has sacrificially died for all mankind. Therefore, 
because Jesus has died for all mankind, if any man should reject this sacrificial death of Christ, that man cannot expect God to overlook the dishonor done to his son. This person can only expect that judgment will come from God. Remember, antichrist means anti, that is, against Christ. Any person who follows any of the antichrists now or the infamous antichrist in the future will be judged, condemned, and punished by God. God can do nothing else. Second, they will have pleasure in unrighteousness. They will be people who live in unrighteous lives and take pleasure in their unrighteousness. They will be people who love their sin. They will lust with their eyes and love to feed their imagination. They will take what they dream of and make it a reality. They will look uh, or be people who look and lust after all types of pornographic uh, things. They will be people who look and lust after those who dress to expose their bodies and attract attention to themselves. They will be people who look and lust after all kinds of enticing things. They will be people who look and lust after only the possessions of this world. They'll use the gospel as a means to get what they want. They will lust with their flesh. They'll love to feed their flesh rather than crucify their flesh. There will be people who lust and feed their flesh with all kinds of immorality. There will be people who lust and feed their flesh with all kinds of living. There will be people who lust and flee, feed their flesh with all kinds of possessions, indulging in every desire and knowing little about sacrifice or mercy in order to meet the needs of a lost and dying world. They'll seek the pride of life, seek position, recognition, honor, power, fame, and wealth. They will focus more and more upon self and the power of man and science to give them the utopia of happiness and success. I was watching a movie with my wife this weekend, and in it, this man gave people the ability to make a wish. And every wish that was made was a wish that brought satisfaction to self. They wished for things that made them better rather than focusing on things that are external for them. They focused only on the things that were internal and beneficial to them. The awful tragedy of all this is man is the total focus, his pleasure, his desire, his ambition, his image, his ego, his glory. God has forgotten altogether. You see, man loves himself and himself alone. He looks and focuses upon himself and himself alone. God is rejected, he's denied, he's forgotten, he's ignored, he's neglected. God is relegated to nothing more than a figment of the imagination of some superstitious people, some bigots who are only religious in nature. Therefore, the judgment and condemnation and punishment of God shall fall upon those who love their unrighteousness or their sin. Let me read this for you, because this is evidence 
of what I'm saying. Romans 1, 26 through 32. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetedness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. I'm not telling you something that is not written in the word. Ephesians 3, or, or 5, 3 through 6, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetedness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Let me close with this. I know that this is hard and heavy, and sometimes you feel like I can't make it. But here's the uh, truth that you have to hold on to. Here is the truth that is undeniable. Here is the truth that will liberate you. Jesus has already made it for you. You see, in your flesh, you can't make it. But we who are in Christ are free from the power of our flesh and emboldened by the power of God functioning within us. This is the manifestation of God's grace in action in your life. We only escape judgment through the judgment of Jesus on the cross. You see, when you do not believe in Calvary, in everything that he did at Calvary, then Calvary becomes of none effect in your life. And Jesus, in essence, gets off the cross and you get placed on it to receive your own recompense for your own sin. Make no mistake, absent Christ, you cannot escape the judgment of God. It is in the judgment of God upon Christ for your sins that you have escaped the punishment that was yours. You see, Jesus took it for you. The judgment was rendered and carried out, but Jesus took your place. And when you reject the truth of Christ, then you reject what is, in essence, the replacement. When you reject the truth of Christ, you reject the replacement. You see, there have been times as a police officer when I responded to investigate 
traffic collisions. And when I arrived on scene, the witnesses would tell me one thing took place. They would identify who the drivers of the vehicles were. And when I would speak with one driver, they would concur with what the witnesses declared was truth. But when I would speak to another alleged driver, they would tell me that they did not drive the car, but it was another that actually drove the car, a passenger in the car. You see, typically, this was an attempt to bypass punishment for the accident or for underlying conditions of unlawfulness, which in most cases related to driving without a license. You see, this is what Jesus did for us. We were driving right into sin, but Jesus told the righteous judge to count it against him rather than counting it against us. Count it as if Jesus was the one driving and the real driver was just a passenger. You see, while here in the earth, I would charge them for lying. And God said, I will impute my judgment on Jesus rather than on the sinner. But the sinner must have faith in and accept this to be truth, or else God will count the judgment against the sinner himself and not against his son. You see, Jesus can only stand in the gap for you based upon your faith your real faith, your belief will change your behavior to reflect what you say you believe. You have to go get some spiritual psychological counseling to reset your thinking from living in a delusional state of mind and believing a lie for truth. You have to remove yourself as the focus of your own life and start asking yourself some hard questions. Is what I am pleasing in the sight of God? If the truth is no, then take action against that which is displeasing. As my man Michael Jackson once said, I'm going to make a change for once in my life. It's going to feel real good. It's going to make a difference. I'm going to make it right. I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. And no message could have been any clearer. If you want to make this world a better place, take a look at yourself and then make a change. Will you allow the full function of the power of truth to be a liberty in your life? Or will you go on believing a lie is truth and the truth is a lie? Will you accept what Jesus has done as enough for you to live eternally with him? Or will you go on believing that you have to do more in the sense of your own salvation? People of God, there is one way to God. Yes, I fully believe in grace. It is but by grace that I'm saved. The grace of God. Well, what is the grace of God? It is the love of God manifested in the coming of his son. We just celebrated that a few days ago, celebrating the life, the birth of our savior, the lamb of God, the one that said, I will go, the lamb without spot or wrinkle, the sacrificial lamb, the one 
who was able to stand between us and a holy father. For his word declares that at the cross, where Jesus laid his life down, no man took it, he laid it down. In that moment, he imputed upon us righteousness. And he took from us sin and imputed it upon himself. So if I reject Jesus, I reject his righteousness. And if I reject his righteousness, I remove him as a sacrifice in my life. And I cause the grace of God to be none effect in my life because I've rejected the foundation of that very grace. Paul said, is the power of grace something to motivate us to sin even more? God forbid. The power of grace turns us from sin. It turns us from a lifestyle that rejects the knowledge of truth and exemplifies a lie as truth. It turns us from that. And it turns us into that which is true. And what is true is then manifest in our life. It comes out in our behavior. I do that which reflects the word of God, not because I'm trying to attain salvation. I do it because I have attained salvation by believing in what Jesus has done by loving Jesus, and my love for Jesus causes me to do that or to live that, which is true. His word is true. God bless you. Heaven smile upon you. Know that God loves you. Examine yourself today. Examine your life and make sure that your living is not in vain. Have a wonderful Sunday.